in the technology community, we absolutely need more female CEOs that can set a positive example for women of the future. And that will change the world if we can accomplish that. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. And welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I am your host and executive coach, Terry Lepovsky, and it is wonderful to have you back here on the podcast. We have a really cool show lined up for you today with a pretty cool topic. You know, the world is becoming a much smaller place, and despite our best efforts, it's also becoming a lot more complex. Companies are continually expanding into new markets, and because of this, they're moving people around the globe more than ever. Every now and then, I come across people that are helping the rest of us reduce complexity in this increasingly difficult world. Today, I'm excited to welcome to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast someone who's doing exactly that. To discuss the topic of global mobility, I've asked the CEO of Topia to join us, Bryn Kennedy Thank you so much for agreeing to be part of our show here today, and welcome aboard. You're welcome, Terry. Thanks for the opportunity. Now, Bryn, as a leader, what inspires you and why? You know, the thing that I think about a lot as a leader that really inspires me is the opportunity to make a large amount of impact. So we make impact through our company at Topia by making it easier for people to move around the world and realize their personal and professional ambitions. Right. But I think more than any product release or funding round or sales deal, the thing that has really inspired me as the leader of Topia is the example that I can set for other women to start companies, to lead them, and to go through the trials and tribulations that come along with that. You're doing an amazing job, and I think you just happen to be a leader that is a woman. I think that's great. There's just 3% of venture-backed female founders with late-stage technology startups. So my favorite quote is the quote that supposedly Ginger Rogers said to Fred Astaire, which is, anything I can do, you can do better. (laughs) I love it. Well, speaking of an inspiring person, I got to say, you're quite the fascinating person as well. I understand that you used to be an elite-level gymnast. You also speak four languages, and I'm kind of hoping at least one of them is English. (laughs) (laughs) That one is by far the best. You once won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award, Distinguished Alumni Award from the London Business School. You used to be an investment banker throughout Asia. I think it was at that time that you were bouncing around the world. I'm assuming that this is where you noticed this frustrating experience that employees and HR departments a lot of people and their families even are having when they're trying to move into a new region. Because Bryn is Bryn, you decided to solve the problem, like good entrepreneurial spirit that you are. Your realization led you to launch Move Guides. And Move Guides created software and solutions and services that help organizations facilitate organizational moves. And of course, you were the founder of that, you were also the CEO. But then within the last few months, well, Bryn Kennedy throws Terry for another loop here. And (laughs) next thing I know, Move Guides has now become something called Topia. Maybe to start with, what is Topia and what happened with Move Guides? Terry, I got to keep you on your toes. It's a part of my job here. So I'm (laughs) glad that I'm doing a good job with that. But thank you for your kind words. 
it does turn out that I am no longer a elite gymnast. That kind of ended when I was 22. Yeah. And I think I would be remiss without acknowledging everything that's going on in the gymnastic community with sexual abuse. Oh, yeah. The bravery of women in the gymnastics community who are incredibly inspiring leaders themselves. We just did a show on the harassing boss. We exposed the harassing boss and explored how to survive them. So maybe that'll help. To answer your specific question, I started my career as an investment banker. As you said, I lived through a lot of different countries in Asia, and I saw two things happening as I did that. The first thing that I saw was that my own relocation experience, frankly, was hell. I was working 100 hours a week. I was Googling things. I had spreadsheets. I talked to many different people. I logged into different portals. I mean, it was just atrocious. And couldn't believe it was in the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Second thing that I saw, and this is a little bit more as I started to research the problem, is I saw some real fundamental shifts starting to happen in the workforce, which today largely have come true. Globalization, AI and automation, real changing demographics of the employee base which meant that organizations were starting to think about how do they build companies that are agile, where they can move people between roles and location. And that was a pretty novel idea in 2010 when I started looking at this. But in 2018, most annual reports and most C-suites are talking about these trends. So what I always wanted to build with Sophia was a comprehensive global mobility management that enabled organizational agility. So provided all of the infrastructure, the compliance, the workflows, the data, the processes behind the sexy, fun work trends of distributed teams and global organizations and much more agile project-based ways of working. Mm -hmm. In order to get there, I first focused on the relocation space, and that is a segment of the overall market. So that was MoveGuide. Right. It was a relocation company. We supported movement of people from point A to point B. We did it for many of the largest companies on the planet. We continue to do that. We continue to have a huge relocation offering for outsourced relocation management and insourced as well. And that was MoveGuide. But I saw the shifts that I had projected really happening in the market. So companies started demanding a broader global mobility technology suite. They wanted taxation logic in it. They wanted immigration logic in it. They wanted integrations with their payroll systems. They wanted this comprehensive suite to manage everything about having mobile employees, all types of them, be they relocations or rotators or frequent business travelers or expatriates. And MoveGuide Business wasn't about that. But even in the name, it was Move. We guide you through your relocation process. Right, yeah. We looked at building the rest of that suite organically. And we decided that we could get there faster by doing it inorganically. So we acquired a company called Polaris, which is the leading expatriate management platform in the market within the only in-house taxation engine globally that powers a lot of those compliance and workflows that companies need. Brilliant. In a great marriage of two companies, as a part of repositioning our strategy and articulating the breadth of our offering, we rebranded the company as Topia, which means place in Greek. I was going to ask about that. And it reflects the fact that as Topia, we help organizations work everywhere across all places in the world. 
I'm curious to learn more about the issues and the challenges that your clients are exposed to, what Topia is doing to help them move from mobility to agility. But I'm also curious to learn a little bit more about you as a woman entrepreneur, a woman business leader, and a CEO of a very fast-growing company. I think your headquarters is in San Francisco, right? Yeah. So I founded the company in London, which is a unique part of our story. Right. And then over the years, we shifted our operating headquarters to San Francisco, where it is today. One of the unique things about global mobility is that by definition, we help companies operate globally. So I went to business school at London Business School, and I founded Topia while I was there, mm -hmm. which was Move Guides at that point. And then we started selling to multinational firms. So Today, we have multinational customers, most of which are large and complex and listed on various stock exchanges, but headquartered in 12 different countries around the world and three continents. Yeah. That all started in London. As the company grew and as some different things happened in the political ecosystem in the UK, we felt that it made more sense to move the operating headquarter for the, to the US with available capital, available talent partners that became important this stage of the journey. Also, the ability to build R&D locations in, in different places within the European Union and the U.S. We did that gradually, and we kind of thought a lot about our location strategy with that. So I had sort of the pleasure and the pain of building a global company and also of raising more than $90 million as a founder who lived in the U.K., and raise money in Silicon Valley, which is incredibly difficult. I used to drive up and down Sand Hill Road here <laughs> in California, and people would sort of touch their chin and furrow their bra, and they'd be like, London. <laughs> and you want us to invest in people moving? Why would anyone ever leave Palo Alto? Right. <laughs> that was a real uphill battle. Yeah. And a, a quick tutorial on fundraising. We created the category. We have great partnerships with our board and investors, and we've had an incredibly positive experience with that. Yeah. We approached it a little bit differently. We said, where does our leadership team need to be based? Where are our operating headquarters? Where should our field offices be based? You know, our sales folks and our customer-facing folks that need to be more local in the market. Yeah. And where should our R&D be based? So our San Francisco office, in terms of actual headcount, is still fairly small in terms of footprint. And that's by design. We do have the majority of our leadership team here, and we do have our corporate functions here. Right, yeah. We actually run our engineering teams out of Seattle and out of Tallinn, Estonia. Oh, I know Tallinn, yeah. Great town. Incredible town, incredible country. Yeah. And my respective product and engineering leaders are based in those different locations. And then we have a series of local customer-facing offices in, in many locations around the world, of which London is one of them. Talk about some cool locations that you've got around the globe. We have great locations. We are in, I think, the only street in San Francisco, we joke, that has designer stores on it. And in London, we were next to Liberty Department Store for years. And I sort of joke with people, <laughs> this is the benefit of a female CEO. You kind of have design embedded in your office and you run out and, you know, buy your spouse's birthday gift at lunch. <laughs> Expand for us on this whole concept of being a woman entrepreneur, a woman business leader, growing this company, which is just going by leaps and bounds and really on the move itself. What's that like? It's a great question and a really hot topic right now. I think we need more examples of great companies led by women. Right. We need more female senators. We need a female president. We need female congresswomen. <laughs> we need the Fortune 500 female CEOs. We need working moms. 
but in the technology community, we absolutely need more female CEOs that can set a positive example for women of the future. And that will change the world if we can accomplish that. It's incredibly difficult to do. All you need to do is look at the statistics. In 2017, just 2%, 2% of venture capital funding went to female-led businesses. Oh my goodness. That's incredibly horrifying. And when I look at where we've grown Topia to and the stage where we are, Less than 3% of the leaders of technology companies at this stage are female, which is also incredibly horrifying. I could play these statistics out for a long time for you, Terry, but I think those have done the trick in terms of the disconnect that exists. Yeah, the brick just hit all of us right between the eyes, I think. (laughs) That's what the statistics do, right? They're pretty terrifying. Oh, yeah. So I think the thing that I've learned over the years is unconscious bias is real. It is something that it's important to acknowledge and to build into strategies for recruiting, strategies for fundraising and other aspects of the company. So the way that I run Topia itself is that we make a big effort on diversity. We have a 50-50 leadership team. We have principally a 50-50 company. That has been somewhat intentional, but also, I think, really just designed by setting an example of doing things in a different way. Incredible women come through the door every day, and they tell me, I've never had the opportunity to work for a female CEO before. I really want to be a partner with you. I really want to be a part of that. The world is yearning for that. For me, that is one of the things that motivates me every day, is the authenticity and the example that we that as a company and I can set for others in the future so that um, hopefully they have a little bit easier time and they have slightly different statistics when they go through their journeys of building the company. And hopefully they also maybe have supportive home situations where they have childcare and they have policies to support that and they have a true partnership at home as well. People who have listened to my show for a while will know this. I have two daughters who are absolutely wonderful. They're both in university. They're both staring down that career barrel saying, what am I going to do and where am I going to be and how is this all going to pan out? And I think it is so great when I get an opportunity to interview somebody like you because I know that it gives them a role model, somebody that they can look to and say, look what Bren did. Look what she's doing every day. She's got these huge challenges, not only in building her own company, but in moving other people all around the world, which is a logistical nightmare for most people. It is great. I love when people talk about their daughters and what they want for them. I'm incredibly lucky to have a great example of as an entrepreneur mother that inspires me. My mother is a small business entrepreneur in Western Massachusetts. She actually just celebrated this week the 46th anniversary of her retail store. I think she's the longest standing retailer in Western Massachusetts. Nothing harder than being a retailer these days. Mom, if you're listening, congratulations. <laughs> so that's my inspiration. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Wow. The global mobility industry is absolutely fascinating today, Terry. And the reason is that you have a real interesting disconnect between what the C-suite is talking about as to what their organization is moving toward over the next three to five years, with all these future of work trends, and then the people and the systems that actually need to make that happen. When we are at conferences, when CEOs write annual reports, when I talk to my C-suite peers, be they Fortune 500 or smaller companies, most people are talking about three trends. They're talking about operating companies in complex and interdependent global economy, needing to move people in their business, complete projects in different locations. 
They're talking about building organizations that can be resilient in the face of AI and automation. When jobs are changed in nature and scope, how do I, as a leader, retrain people? And then how do I redeploy them into different roles and locations? Again, mobility falls at the heart of that redeployment activity. And then they're talking about the rise of millennials, the majority of most organizations today, and also the skills uh, gap that exists today. Mobility is key to retaining their workforce and also matching those skills to accomplish growth. So you have like this really interesting conversation happening at the C-suite and everyone's really excited about that and it's very sexy and people are writing books and, you know, I talk about it with CEOs, Congress, et cetera. And then you have an organization that aren't really set up to actually enable that. They, on average, a global mobility professional may interact with more than 20 different vendors and systems and silos of data in order to move a single employee. It's incredibly difficult for companies to move employees within the tax and immigration regimes that exist today. First of all, they always change. Second of all, they're relatively backward looking. And thirdly, there's just a lot to know. And it's very hard for a human versus a computer to navigate that. And so what we do at Topia is we think like we're the glue that enables all of the organizational agility and all of this future of work. We connect all of the different systems that need to be accessed to move an employee. We then unify all of the data about that mobile employee into a single place and a single source of reporting. How much did it cost? What was their compensation, et cetera? And then we run really core business processes around supporting mobile employees. We calculate payroll instructions and send them to 80 different payrolls so that people can be paid while they're on the move. Mm -hmm. We flag when permanent establishment risk is created by the employee who wants to, you know, live in Iceland for half the year and commute to DC and the, the business unit manager wants to do that to retain that employee. We run workflows and task lists. We calculate and we estimate the projection of of how much it might cost to move someone somewhere and in what capacity. All of these things are things that are absolutely essential to build an agile organization. Frankly, they might be considered kind of boring, but they're absolutely essential to build an agile organization and to retain employees today and win the global war on talent. That's the heart of the Topia company and HR experience in our software. Well, I think what you're doing is incredibly unique because I don't know of too many other organizations that are at the level that you are and the depth of what you're able to do for organizations. I think what we're talking about here, as you said, whether it's sexy or not is one question. The fact of the matter is this is essential for any organization that really wants to grow and be competitive on a global scale. Exactly. And so that's where I think that this is pure gold. And I'm so glad that this is what you're doing. I should hire you for our marketing team, Terry. (laughs) All the things I mentioned need to make the company run. But we also have a beautiful consumer-like employee experience where you, Terry, as a human who might be moving to Paris, could explore Paris. You could say, I want to bike to work. I want it to take 20 minutes and I want to pay a maximum of a euro a month. I don't know if that's possible in Paris, but pretend it is. <laughs> and we would recommend to you different neighborhoods. We would help your family set their expectations for their life in Paris. And so we have this like really cool opportunity that we get to enable all of the infrastructure and processes to make agility a reality. And we also get to interact with the agile employee and make their life and their 
experiences really, really special and really engaging as they are mobile. I'm glad you brought this up because you really have two different customers here. You have the HR departments or the, the company that needs to move people around, but you also have the individual who's going to be moved around. And I'm glad that you spoke this legendary experience that I think that started with Move Guides and now it's being perfected with Topia. You're really creating an amazing experience for the folks that have to go through all of this. I had moved so many times myself as a, a banker. And I mean, these are not small companies I worked for. They were the largest investment banks in the world. I went through the same process every time, calling the friend of friend, asking how on earth you moved to this country, reading PDFs from out-of-date BPOs, speaking on the phone to many different people, you know, on and on and on, just a really archaic experience. And I just reached the point uh, about eight years ago now where I was so frustrated that I said, I can't believe that someone can't solve this. Eight years later, I realized why it's complicated to solve. (laughs) 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 It was a phenomenal amount of research about what the employee actually needs. And we also bolstered those capabilities with another acquisition of a company called Teleport that had been on a similar track to solve that individual experience for mobile employees. I'm very glad there are people out there like you who sit there and say, you know what, I can solve this problem. If I really put my mind to it, I can't quite see exactly where it's going to go just yet, but I'm going to start taking a few steps toward it. Those small moments and those small decisions that become big milestones make companies. I mean, I think that's the biggest and most important job of a CEO is to make a few really important decisions right. One of those is building the team that can execute uh, behind the decisions. But, you know, those strategic decisions, they often come at odd moments. Mm-hmm. They are often really formative for, for companies and, you know, in many ways for the world. Well, I wonder if you can help me solve two other big questions that have been on my mind since we started this podcast last year. What challenges do you see facing a lot of the leaders out there today? I think that the biggest challenge facing leaders today is recruiting the right people around them and then enabling them for success. And that is even more pronounced in a high growth company because the biggest challenge for leaders specifically of a high growth company, I I think, and it certainly has been for me, is having the right people in the leadership seat for the right stage of the company. Often that requires making incredibly difficult decisions about when it is time to exit people that few other people in the organization may understand, but is really in the best interest of the company for that stage. Making those decisions can be incredibly lonely, it can be incredibly scary, but it's absolutely critical to make sure that that team is set up for success to execute the company and to execute the strategy and vision that the CEO set. Oh, I love it. I love your answer on that one, but you got to help me with this next one too. Bryn, what does inspired leadership mean to you? That's a harder one, Carrie. <laughs> For me, inspired leadership is all about authenticity. It's about knowing who you are, what the values are that you have and that you have for the company, and being able to communicate those in a way that inspires others. And I think inspiration, you know, at the end of the day in business, in politics, in life does really come from authenticity and, and vulnerability, I think, in many ways as a leader. Well, I just want to kind of wrap up here by saying that I consider you to be an extremely inspiring leader. I think that you're very authentic in what you do. You're able to see those opportunities out there and you've got the courage to be able to go in there, communicate with your team and figure out how to solve those. That to me is inspired leadership. Bryn, I'm so glad that you've taken time out of your busy life and I know it's busy to join us here today 
and to share all of your wonderful perspectives. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. All the best. I know that for a fact, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to be looking to try to connect with you. So we're going to have all of the links to Topia, to your LinkedIn profile, to Twitter as well. It'll all be in the show notes. Do not forget to leave us a review on iTunes, just like Gladman did. I don't know where you got the name Gladman, but after listening to the show with Major Cash McKenna on episode 43, Gladman wrote in and said, Great segment by Major Cash. I think he has a good career waiting for him in politics. <laughs> so thank you, Gladman, for your comments and your ratings. Thank you to everybody in advance for leaving ratings on iTunes today. Make Bryn's day and leave us an awesome comment for this episode. Join us next week when Mr. Tim Brennan joins us to talk about measuring what matters so we can figure out how to get the right leaders into our organizations and keep them there. Thanks very much, everybody, for joining us today. We'll talk to you all again next time. Take care and bye for now. Thank you.